All right, welcome to this week's episode of On Air with Sean McStay. Uh, this week, I'm happy to have with me Adam Cornell. Adam is the CEO and founder at uh, Unbuilders and Heritage Lumber. Uh, he's a builder, a pacifist expert, and now an unbuilder and a Heritage Lumber broker. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Glad to be here. So, you have been a guest on my previous podcast, uh, but for people who maybe didn't catch that episode or are new to you, uh, do a quick intro. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I'm the founder of two companies. Uh, the first one, Unbuilders Deconstruction. So, we dismantle buildings um, layer by layer with the purpose to maximize the salvageability in all of the building materials that I value. And what doesn't get salvaged is recycled. In the end, we minimize the waste. Um, so very different approach than traditional demolition. And then our second company, Heritage Lumber, is a reclaimed wood brokerage. So all the lumber that we recover um, is acquired by Heritage Lumber. And then we broker the raw material. We can custom cut for like a timber package. And we're um, in the process of, of uh, launching our own product line. Very cool. So for you, you've always had a passion for uh, you know, the construction industry. Uh, when you were younger, uh, you got started pretty early in the industry, from what I remember. Yeah, definitely. I was always renovating from a very young age, kind of as young as I can remember. So whether it was just building a deck or tree with my dad and my brothers um, or renovating our house or family houses. Um, and then... And I was always really interested in, in architecture and, and primarily resident. Um, so I was like drawing blueprints from a very young age, always had architecture magazines um, and was convinced for a long time I wanted to be an architect. And, and then in high school when I was 16, I flipped my first house with my dad. Um, and that really just got me hooked. Um, from, from then on, I'd always kind of had a construction job, whether it was between semesters at university or uh, as soon as I was done university, I was right back into framing houses and, and building. Okay. And you were into Pacifos pretty early, um, I like to say nowadays, before Pacifos was cool. Uh, so what made you uh, interested in it and how did you run into it? So I, I was... I knew I was uh, going to go into construction in some capacity. I, I did try to go an architecture route. It didn't work. And in hindsight, I'm, I'm happy where things have ended up, um, though I, I love design and architecture. Um, but when I was at school, it really, I mean, the combination of just the, and then going through university, I studied anthropology, philosophy, some conservation biology, I just knew I'm going to go back into construction, and when I do that, I need to be focused on sustainability. So how can I how can I help drive sustainability sustainability in the construction industry? Um, and when I started working for a custom builder uh, about 12 years ago in Calgary at the time where I was living, um, I got lead certified, and I was really trying to push my company towards sustainability. They didn't have interest. Um, and there was a lot of holes I saw in lead, especially for residential pro projects. Um, I thought it missed the point on a lot of things. So I just kept diving into different, um, different classifications, green buildings. And when I launched uh, my own construction company here in Vancouver in 2013, um, that's when I first heard about Passive House. Um, mostly just it's starting to take shape here. It was just after the Olympics. Um, and then they came out with the first Passivos um, design course and Passivos trades course. And I took both of those and instantly I was 
I was hooked. I was a changed builder. Um, and, uh, and it, it even changed my perspective of how we were building passive houses years when we did transition our company to be a passive house builder and realizing, um, that we're still, we're, we're building high performance homes. We're building them with single use products in a single use manner. And that became very problematic for me. Um, and so I thought I'm, I'm still not building to my values. And that's really when on builders as a separate business started to launch. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I started to make a transition from a builder to an unbuilder. Okay. Um, uh, looking at that, you know, you've had a couple of, uh, multiple different businesses that you've started now. Um, do you think that's, I always am curious when people are so entrepreneurial, is that uh, a nature thing? Like you just, that's really important to you to be able to kind of control what's going on and, and, you know, work towards your vision. Um, or do you think that it just kind of was happenstance that it made the most sense at the time? Like, how do you think you kind of got to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm going to do these multiple businesses on my own. I, I think there's a few things like entrepreneurship is definitely in my blood. Um, my, my dad had that. Um, I mean, if we go way back, like my, my great grandparents were, father was the first industry in, in Kingston, Ontario back in the 1800s at the cigar factory. So there's definitely something in my blood there. Um, but also I would have happily worked for someone had they been going in the direction that I saw the industry needed to go and, and that just didn't exist. So it, uh, if no one's going to do it, then, then we got to do it or I have to do it. Um, so it was a, yeah, it was, it was a joint combination. Um, something that has been just ingrained in me from, from my childhood, which also really is in line with my desire to push sustainability. Um, was it's it's a quote that uh that my dad used to say to us and some people see things as they are and ask why i dream of things that have not yet to be and ask why not and so when i when i think of anything even our business right now any any product we make whether it's phones or technology or, or construction everything we have now is going to be done better and more efficient in the future sustainability isn't this separate camp from business. It is just good business. Um, and so I always have the drive to improve myself, improve businesses and improve the industry that I love so, so dearly. Um, and so that continues to drive me to, to do more and more. That's fantastic. It's certainly very admirable to uh, to see a need for something and to go out and take the risk and create it. Um, I think Unbuilders has been around now for what four years, five years, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. How years. how did you kind of get started with it, and uh, you know where's where was how did the first couple of years go? So I've, I've been unbuilding for probably about seven years now because I was doing it under my former contracting company. So it started just basically renos, stick by stick, two by four by two by four, um, salvaging them, making tabletops for our customers. That slowly scaled as we got bigger projects into, you know, making air treads, um, anything that was out of wood, we would make out of the reclaimed wood that we salvaged from the project itself. Um, and and then there was just a clear need. Um, I knew the value of the lumber because it's primarily old growth Douglas fir right up into the 1970s that we're recovering. So it's a highly valuable lumber. Um, and in Vancouver, we're, we're the demolition capital of, of, on the planet. Um, we demolish more buildings per capita than anywhere else in the world. It's, it's shocking. Um, 
nearly 4,000 houses and nearly 4,000 industrial, commercial, institutional buildings a year. Nearly 8,000 buildings are taken down every year. This year, it's probably higher because it's crazy how many buildings are coming down right now. Um, so there was this combination of this huge opportunity in very valuable material being landfilled right now, combined with the fact that we're in the demolition capital of the world and my desire to do something um, that's more sustainable, can have a bigger impact. Um, and so that's really, as others started to evolve um, from just, you know, taking a wall down in a renovation, it, it started to scale to full buildings. And the first few years, um, the first four years have been very challenging in, in different ways. The challenges have grown and, and evolved, um, but it has certainly not been uh, a cakewalk. And, and I still tell my team, um, that we're, we're still at the base of this mountain. Like we have not, we have not started to, to, to climb it yet. Um, so there's a long road ahead. We're, we're not just trying to grow a great business. We're trying to influence change for the entire industry across North America. Um, we, we want to see demolition replace, uh, be replaced by deconstruction. And so that's, that's the mission that we're after. Um, and the challenges have scaled from, getting clients in the first place. It's, you know, we've got a unique business model and how we can challenge the, the financial structure of traditional demolition because demolition is cheap and fast and deconstruction costs more and takes more time. Um, so we first had to educate on how our business model works. And, uh, and then there's, there's several roadblocks that have come as we've scaled from single family houses to full commercial buildings. Um, we now are bringing a bait excavation under our umbrella as well. Um, so that we're offering full service to our clients. They hire one company. We take the building down from start to end. Um, and every time we add a service offering in, whether that's a subcontracted service or in-house, it adds new challenges and, and, and new roadblocks to overcome. Nice. That certainly sounds like a complete package for someone who's got a site that needs to be prepped that has a building sitting on it. Um, you know, playing devil's advocate for a second, obviously cost was something that uh, I'm sure gets brought up by almost every project you deal with. Um, how does that look uh, cost-wise? You know, obviously houses are getting more and more expensive. Land is crazy expensive. Everyone's looking for ways to save cost. Um, how does unbuilding impact that? So we operate two different business models. Um, most single-family houses model. So we have partnerships with uh, a few charities, uh, the Reuse People of Canada, Habitat for Humanity. And when we deconstruct the building, we donate everything to charity on behalf of the homeowner. So they get a charitable tax receipt. We have an appraiser that appraises the value of that. And then they get the tax receipt, which tax credit. Um, so most people tearing a house down in greater Vancouver, greater Victoria are in the highest tax brackets. They're high income earners. And that tax receipt is quite lucrative. Um, it usually offsets a lot of our deconstruction costs. So it would typically drive our price either cheaper than demolition or competitive. And once we're in that ballpark, a lot of customers, um, they, they feel the urge to use us because they, they want to feel that they've done something environmentally conscious, community focused, um, and, and all the, the various layers that our service provides. So that's our typical model. And that's the one that the first few years of the business, it, it took, it took a lot just to educate people that this is a legitimate business model. This is how it works. This is how we can, and, and for us to get into the repetition of knowing how to sell that model. Um, as we scaled into commercial deconstruction, 
that model sort of falls apart because corporations don't get the same tax benefits that individual um, homeowners do. And so whether it's a land assembly, multiple houses in a row that are owned by a corporation or, a, you know, a, a 1900 three commercial building that's going to come down, um, we now have evolved an acquisition model. So this is where the two companies come to play together. Um, Heritage Lumber will go in, we'll put a number on what buy the lumber for, and then on builders puts their price on it for the full service, full cost is what we're going to take. And then we just discount the service by buying the material. Um, and that usually drives us into the same ballpark as demolition. Um, as well with, especially with the commercial clients that we have, um, there's a lot of benefit that we're getting from the cities that we're working in because the politicians, the bureaucrats know who we are. They know what we do. Um, so now we're getting permits expedited. We're getting, um, we're getting certain red tape taken away because the city palities have a certain ease to know, even though this is an old building and there's some, some historical significance, number one, we need to develop our cities because we're growing quickly. And number two, they know they have the peace of mind. That, well, on builders is coming in. We know those materials are at least going to be salvaged and put back in the supply chain. Um, so we're adding value in terms of getting permits approved and getting sensitive projects through the approval line. Um, and then we're also uh, adding a lot of marketing value for, for clients. We, we get pretty good press. If, if we really push hard, we can typically get some good stories written. And, um, and we get the community. The community honestly just loves our service, loves our, our company, and, and we get a lot of community support. So we very quickly see negative community reactions to the demolition of an old building turn really positive when they see our sign and our crew show up. Fantastic. So uh, speaking of that, I mean, it, it sounds almost like a no-brainer on both the residential side and the commercial side. Um, how has scaling that been for you? Um, and, and, and what kind of challenges are you facing with trying to scale the business? Because I'd imagine, you know, like you said, demolition capital of North America, um, there's a lot of opportunities out there for you guys. How do you approach that? Yeah, the, the scaling, like I would say that on average with even with like a green builder, I feel like we end up estimating about three projects before we get hot. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Like we, we put a, a demolition price in the budget for the client. They can't, they can't get meet, meet you where you are, even with the tax receipt and everything. Um, so that's, I, I'd say that that's a piece of the scaling is we, we, we know that it takes a little time to sort of get certain customers onto, onto the service. And, and, and that challenge will be in any city. Um, uh, the, the real challenge outside of the Vancouver and Victoria markets, which are pretty green focused in general, um, the challenge is not the deconstruction is expensive and the deconstruction takes time. The challenge is the demolition is really cheap and it's really fast. And we've become accustomed to that. If, if we look at other industries, like something I, I, I like to, is the blue box program us recycling our bottles and cans costs us more more money than throwing it in the garbage and there was apprehension in the 90s when this program rolled out and now if you if you go to throw a glass bottle in the garbage can you have like a negative reaction because it's just wrong well we need to build that into the way we think about demolition and Demolition as a service is always going to exist. There's going to be concrete buildings. It'll be green demolition because you can recycle the materials. 
But I'm, I'm not talking about us losing half of our demolition companies. I'm saying these companies are going to transition to become deconstruction companies. And there's there's a need for demolition in certain building types. Um, but that's that's quite small. Most of the buildings should be and can be deconstructed. Um, so in terms of scaling, there's certain landscapes um, that need to change beyond just sort of the mental hurdle around deconstruction costing more and taking more time. Uh, I think that that's one that will just over time um, get worked out. But um, there's certain waste regulation policies that have to change. Um, regions, they, at a certain point, you can't allow mixed loads. If, if you allow someone to crunch a house fully intact with drywall, fin- there's just no competing against that. You can you can demolish buildings in certain areas in Canada for, for under $10,000. Um, you, you, you can't do that in Vancouver, Victoria, because of the waste regulations. Um, just dropping a machine on site to start that work um, is is like $5,000 to get going. So I don't even know how companies are doing it without illegally tipping their materials. Um, but that's that's the first level is we need to look at our waste policy nationwide and we need to make it an even playing field. And when we do that, that opens the door for deconstruction. And, and from there, it's really on us to be able to sell our service. And, and we do a pretty good job at that. And, uh, and I think that any region in the, in the country in Canada and the U S is open to deconstruction. If the, if the waste policy is, is there in the first place. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, is that the, do you think an opportunity for your company, uh, with these other demolition companies, you know, maybe the larger ones that have been around for a while having to learn how to, to deconstruct things? Um, I mean, potentially like that's always sort of a thought in the background like are we going to get into more of a a position of training and and helping companies tool or are we going to more look to partner with them um and that's that's certainly where we're at right now there's there's some great demolition companies in the regions that we we work in that we're we're partnering with or they call us when they go into a project and they say listen like we we just we can't we don't have the heart to demolish this building we got to bring these guys in um that does happen there's yeah, there, there is a lot of great demolition operators and, and companies out there that we're working with. Um, and and so we, we like to see partner with these companies. We don't have excavators. We don't have um, those those types of services in-house. We would typically subcontract that. So there's definitely a, a flow of work between us and demolition companies. Um, and and we are, we're very focused in what we do. We take buildings apart primarily by hand. We, we use machines to assist us where we can speed up the, the process um, and where we have the space. Um, but we will need a demolition company to come finish the job off or to help us during the job. Um, there's abatement crews that we typically subcontract. So there's a lot of layers there where there's collaboration. And, um, you know, I, I do believe that the new business model is is collaboration over competition. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, speaking of collaboration and of scaling, uh, something you did successfully with Unbuilders is uh, head over to uh, CBC and go on Dragon's Den. Um, Dragon's Den, for anyone listening who's not familiar, uh, is a British show first, and it's also a Canadian show. There's an American version called Shark Tank, uh, but it's basically a business pitch show where if you have a business idea or a business that's been developed, uh, you can go and pitch it to these Dragon investors. Um, for you, Adam, what, what made you think of going on the show and, and kind of what was the process t- to get you from applying to standing in front of the dragons? 
Well, it's, it's a show that I've watched ever since the first season. So it was kind of on the bucket list. Um, and I do feel like it's a certain, um, pathway for, for entrepreneurs. If they're, if, if they want to take that, that roadmap as sort of a challenge and, and really, really a, a way to validate your idea and your business. Um, cause they'll let you know pretty quickly if they think it's a dumb idea. So, um, for me, I, I did my initial audition right before COVID hit in 2020. So in February, 2020, um, it was like a week before I had my son, actually, it was a pretty wild time. And so the producer on the show loved the concept. They, they, they loved the pitch. And then, uh, and then COVID hit and things kind of went up in the air. And when they, when they pulled it back together, um, I, we had made the, the, the cut to studio in Toronto into filming and uh and so that was august 2020 i went there solo it was very different than other dragons and pitches like i had other ideas to bring some other team members in and and do more of a demonstration but it, it all kind of got shot down due to covid restrictions um so it was a couple pieces of wood and and uh and and six dragons grilling me for for over an hour in the end um I was extremely well prepared. I knew my numbers inside out. They, they cut all of that out of the show, but they, they were getting down to the dollars and cents of everything. And I had every answer. And if you don't, then that's where you just, the whole pitch falls apart. Um, so yeah, they, they, they grilled me. Um, great questions. And, and luckily I had some, some, uh, other entrepreneurs and some other, uh, advisors help me in advance. I was grilled several times before I went on the show. So I was very well prepared and, um, and I was extremely happy with the outcome, um, in the end, which we had, uh, an offer from all six dragons to come in in our company altogether, um, which I, I, I accepted on the show. Um, I knew that, the way the show works is even if you're in studio filming, you're not guaranteed to get airtime. And so I thought I'm either going to have to have, um, a really great offer to, to just know that I'm getting on air. Cause that's, that's the point. I mean, I did, I was going for investment, but half of it going for marketing as well. Um, and I knew that I'm not the, the biggest, most boisterous, um, personality. Um, so I thought, you know, if I get a great deal, that guarantees I'll be on the show. Um, so, when they offered me all six dragons, dragon sweep for me is there's no brainer to say yes. Even though in the back of my mind, I'm kind of going, Oh man, if I'm going to have six dragons, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a lot, a lot more work than I anticipated. But, um, that, that's not what happened after the show anyways. So, um, it, it, it really worked out well. I'm, I'm really happy with the result. That's fantastic. Um, anything you can get into about what did happen after the show? Are you still in contact with any of the dragons or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a long drawn up process after the show, but, uh, in the end we did get investment from two dragons, um, as well as other private investors. So, um, I had local investors that were already sort of eager to invest in us when I was going on the show to pitch. Um, so they, and then I just, I sort of put the, the investment to see what happened with the dragons. Cause I, as I said, I was legitimately trying to get investment from them. Um, and, and we did close with two of the two of the six dragons in the end. So, um, we've yet to sort of roll out any sort of social media campaign around that. Um, hoping to, hoping to do so this year. Fantastic. 
Well, switching gears a little bit to uh, social media, um, you're pretty active on there. You've got some great videos up talking about you and your team and, and the process that you guys do. Um, one of your recent posts you were talking about that we need to switch to uh, preserve first, move, um, and then the second, and then deconstruct third. Um, talk to me a little bit about that concept and what it means for our buildings. Well, the, the, the greenest demolition to happen is, is, is none at all. So to keep our buildings intact. Now, obviously, my experience and, and knowledge in high-performance buildings um, has shifted this perspective a little bit. I used to be, if you asked me five years ago, it was renovate everything and, and don't ever take it down because of the embodied carbon and all of that. Um, I, I have come to the middle on that one. There's certainly times and, and probably more times than not where buildings um, do need to come down if we're trying to build a greener city and, and, a, and a greener project in the end. Um, you just cannot, you can't hit the same efficiency level <clears throat> level with old foundations, um, with a lot of the old building shapes, as, as you're well aware, knowing, you know, with your deep knowledge of Passive House. Um, so there's definitely a lot of cases where if, if our goal is to be greener and long-lasting, then that original old building needs to come down. Um, but there's a lot of cases where they could stay standing performance with the existing bones, even if it's lifting the building, replacing the foundation, dropping it back down, uh, outsolation. There's, there's a lot of ways to preserve the old buildings. Um, and I, and I do, uh, it, it does break my heart to see how much old character architecture, in Vancouver, Victoria, uh, as well as, you know, every city in the world, really. Um, I, I do think that in particular, Vancouver has not put enough care and attention on, on that fact. Um, it's really sad to see beautiful old houses or buildings get torn down for boxy mod modern ones, especially if they're not even high performance. Preservation needs to be given a higher perspective, not only from a high performance level, but, um, but also just an architectural community level. Um, there, there is something there. When you go into, you know, a, a village in the Alps or you go into a small mountain town in North America and they've kept that turn, it feels different. That The town has a different vibe and we don't put enough care and attention on that. So I would love to see a lot more architectural preservation happen than, than has been happening. Um, I, I have seen in the last, even in the last couple of years, that's starting to slowly shift. Um, especially for multi-story commercial buildings in the downtown cores. Um, there's a lot more preservation on the facades. And now I hope that the back end of the building has to be deconstructed. So we're, we're pushing for that. The second, the second greenest thing would be moving a building. So we, we work well, uh, we, we work with nickel brothers. Um, we're in talks with some other house movers. Um, but if you can move the building, um, as opposed to take it down, then again, it's also a better alternative than deconstruction, um, keeping the building intact, moving it to a new foundation. We're dealing with a housing crisis where houses are completely unaffordable in most parts of the country now. Um, yet we're tearing down on a mass level, um, shockingly, uh, how, how many houses are being ripped down right now. Um, so if you you can move them, um, there's a lot of roadblocks and, and, and Nickel Bros and us are working with municipalities to try to alleviate some of these roadblocks um, because there's, there's silly rules that are disallowing buildings to get moved to new areas and put on a new foundation. Um, 
So preserve first, move, deconstruct third, um, and demolition should be really the odd one out because the construction is concrete or or it's newer and it's every, everything's glued and screwed and it's engineered material that doesn't have a lot of resale value. Not true. Yeah, I think that's a great lesson, uh, both on the historical preservation side, um, but also on the moving buildings. Um, I think that it's it's terrible to see some of these buildings that could make the frame or the bones of a really good new home for somebody in a in an area where that house is more applicable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say I'm always surprised when uh, like there's some there's some social media accounts like, trying to to map out what buildings are being lost and, and the, their mission is definitely, we're on board with their mission. Um, we've had one or two of our houses show up on their, their website. Um, and they've completely mischaracterized it, but, um, it's, it's always interesting to see back from us and saying, you guys are tearing down history. And it's like, well, it, like, trust me, it, it breaks my heart. Some of the buildings that we deconstruct, um, we're, we're not making that choice that let's take this building down. That choice has been made. And, we're coming in to say, you're redeveloping this property. This building doesn't work for whatever reason. That's that's not for us to decide. You've made the choice as the owner. We're going to give you a better alternative to make sure that at least these materials are preserved. And so, um, yeah, I, I do I do want to make sure that people know that we're we're certainly not promoting tearing down history. But everyone on our crew is pretty much lovers of architectural history. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think your guys' passion for it shows through in what you guys do, for sure. Um, looking at the, you know, unbuilders kind of up until now, what's the biggest one or two lessons that you've taken away from kind of starting your business and running to where it is now? Um, I'd say, I'd say the first lesson is you can't, you can't wait to be ready. Um, this is this is a this this one has kind of a, a double-edged sword, so to speak, on it. Um, you, you have to you have to just make the decision to jump in, and um, because if if you wait till the conditions are right, it's going to be too late. Um, so I definitely am have that classic entrepreneurial spirit that for it's fully fully baked, and you sort of learn as you go and, and find the right recipe. Now that can be painful at times because it's going to be costly and it, and it has been, um, but that's the only way to really get started. And, um, luckily we've got a great team that can adapt. We've got advisors and investors that are sort of on, 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 uh, board for the trip. Um, and we have learned a lot where we, it's kind of comical to think back of our first few house deconstruction versus where we are today. Um, and even some of our clients that have been with us almost since day one, for them to see our, our growth from where we were taking things back in pickup truck loads um, to now where we have a crane truck. And, and, and the scale is just so different and, and our speed and efficiency is so much higher. So, yeah, the first one is, is you got you to jump in. You can't be scared. And, um, and if you're especially an entrepreneur that's trying to disrupt an industry like we are, um, you got to have a really a really thick stomach because the amount of the, I have the same conversation with new clients, new homeowners over and over. My, my sales guys have the same one. Um, and you have to just, you have to be able to, to hear the same, um, feedback, the same pushback, smile and, and take it and know that if it's a builder and they don't hire you the first time, they are going to come back. Um, and, 
and yeah, to just be, to just know that this is a long game. We're, we're not going to save every building today, but in 10 years, we, we, we do believe that 95% of those buildings will be deconstructed, not all by us, but we'll be part of the change that makes sure that that happens. Perfect. That uh, dovetails nicely with my next question, which is where do you see uh, unbuilders going kind of in the next five or 10 years? Like what's, what does success look like for you? In the short term, we're really focused on the two markets we're in. Um, we, we're, we're focused on not getting ahead of ourselves because it's quite easy to do, especially with that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so our, our entire just get, get really healthy margins, get really good workflow and revenue in our two markets. Um, and Victoria for us has really been sort of, uh, our first satellite operation and, um, and to really show that we can, we can go into a new market and we can succeed. And in fact, we might be busier in Victoria this year than Vancouver, which is really exciting. So that's our, that's our near term focus is really, really prove out the business. And we're also behind the scenes building all of the systems. So, um, so that we can copy and paste and repeat in new markets. And, you know, in five years, we're looking at likely a franchise model and combining a combination of sort of whether we, we launch into, um, you know, the Okanagan would be next because it's right here, just proximity wise. Um, but there's some great markets in the U.S., especially on the West Coast, which already have deconstruction policy in place. Um, so we are looking at how do we scale this in terms of most likely franchising um, to new markets. Our goal is to see on builders in, in every city in North America. Well, once I get uh, towards the end of these interviews, I typically ask two questions. Uh, the first question is, if you could pick one thing from today's interview for the listener to, to hold on to, what would be uh, that uh, lesson or topic? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll come up with a straight fact. Demolition and construction generates 40% of our solid, the number one contributor to our solid waste. This is not a small problem putting a solution to. This is a major problem that society are trying to evolve to a more carbon neutral economy and shifting from demolition is one of the quickest most impactful things we can do today fantastic last question as always i'm a big reader and collector of books if you were to recommend a book right now uh, personal or professional which one would it be uh, i can't remember which one i did last time because i don't want to say the same one but uh it's it's always professional i i I don't really read non uh, nonfiction, or sorry, I don't really read fiction. I obviously read new business books, but there's anything, anything Jim Collins has read is sort of my my business bible, which is uh, I just went through Great by Choice, and now I'm rereading Good Good to Great um, and Built to Last, and and I just think that the principles he lays out businesses um, that they studied are extremely valuable for any business owner or uh, operator. Yeah, I agree. Fantastic books for sure. Should be on everyone's bookshelf, especially if you're running a business. Well, Adam, yeah. thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. Uh, for everyone listening and watching, links below, of course, to Adam's social media, Unbuilders, Heritage Lumber as well. Uh, so if you have a project in uh, Victoria or Vancouver that you're looking to uh, take down and develop something new, uh, Adam and his team can definitely help you out. So, uh, Adam, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Sean. And if there's uh, any historical project anywhere in North America, we would entertain it. Fantastic. There we go. Wider reach. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thanks for listening to On Air with Sean McStay. 
If you have any questions for the guests, contact me on social media or reach out on my website, www.onairwithseanmcstay.com. Have a great rest of your day.